Hoy hoy, ladies and gentlemen. I am John Miller, and this is Everybody Trades. And you know what? Once again, even though it's a beautiful Friday afternoon here in my glorious mid-Missouri, once again, my craw has been invaded by a foreign object. And this time, in the form of a certain idea. An idea that, frankly, was one that I used to accept. And that is that there are just certain topics, certain things, that should be left to the experts. Well, you know what? I think it's very important to parse this statement. Because you know what? Experts can mean at least a couple different things. Now, take Google, for instance. Now, obviously, Google is an expert in search. But does that mean that we should let Google write government policy? Well, actually, in fact, I think most would agree that no, they shouldn't. But really, what we really think, I think most people think of the experts, they think of the people who are actually writing policy, the people in government, either our elected people or the bureaucrats who are nameless and behind the curtain often, to use a Wizard of Oz analogy. And if not the politicians themselves, then certainly these government-approved experts, right, the scientists and all these people, they must be trusted, right, and the chairman of the Federal Reserve and all these sorts of people, right? See, that was a big one for me before I started really getting into trading and really getting into finance and economics and all that good stuff and theory and everything. This idea of the monetary base, how much money is actually out there, how much money should actually be printed. We say, I used to think... Before I knew any better, well, obviously, oh, I guess we should leave that to the experts. Well, frankly, that was my own, not only ignorance, but lack of creativity at a young age. Just the inability to see any idea that was outside of my face, that wasn't right in front of my nose. It was just all, oh, well, this is the way we do it, so I, I guess this is the way it must be done, right? Well, transitioning a little bit, speaking of banks... On his Mad Money show, Jim Cramer was talking about the banks and the big CEOs, the mega banks, as you could even call them at this point, as few of them as they are. See, I'm reading from his, from his recap for Mad Money on Wednesday. Cramer says, the banks may still be viewed as public enemy number one in Washington, D.C., but if they deliver on earnings later this week... They will still be heroes on Wall Street. Kramer said today's con congressional earnings were largely political theater and won't have an effect on what matters most, earnings. Now he's talking purely, this is a stock market show, and he's talking what matters on his show is earnings. So he's not saying that's all that matters to him, just to be clear. But really the point I wanted to focus on is the idea that this is political theater. And to buoy that point, Maxine Waters is the is a Democrat congressman from California. And more importantly, for the preceding clip I'm about to play, she is the chairman of the <clears throat> I'm sorry. She is the chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. So if anyone knows what is happening with banking in this country, it should be Maxine Waters, right? Well, let's hear Maxine's interaction with these mega bank CEOs, among them. J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon. 
Today, there are more than 44 million Americans that owe, this is student loan crisis, 1.56 trillion in student loan debt. Last year, 1 million student loan borrowers defaulted, which is on top of the 1 million borrowers who defaulted the year before. What are you guys doing to help us with the student loan debt? Who would like to answer first? Mr. Monaghan, Big Bang. Uh, We stopped making student loans in 2007 or so. Oh, so you don't do it anymore. Mr. Corbett? We exited student lending in 2009. Mr. Diamond? When the government took over student lending in 2010 or so, we stopped doing all student lending. Do you hear the surprise in Maxine vo- Maxine's voice there? Oh, oh, you don't you don't do student loans anymore. Oh, the government took it over nine years ago. So clearly, either Congresswoman Waters was unaware or had forgotten that the federal government had completely taken over the student loan system again nine ten years ago. Now, if this is the level of expertise that I, as the little guy, is supposed to bow down to, humanity is in deep, deep trouble. However, the knowledge problem, as it's often called in economics, goes much deeper than simply knowing the law. If you're going to take over all of American college loans, for instance, as our government has done, and is apparently Maxine Waters is one of the people in charge of, then you need to know everything. And by everything, I mean everything about each potential student, their family and their finances, the school, their potential major, how much that major is expected to yield in the future, and also based on their geography, based on where they're planning to live. And quite frankly, how can you know where somebody is going to live in the future? How can you know the future, period? I mean, on and on and on. The amount of decisions and different possibilities there, the flapping of the butterfly's wings, if you will, is truly infinite. Now, to go even further, if you think about just business, if you've ever been to business school or read any kind of basic business book, there's a rule of thumb to running a business that says one person should probably only manage at most 10 to 20 people. Any more than that is just too much for any one person to handle. And then others will actually say it's really a a five to six is much more ideal and actually more realistic. And anything more than that, you're just spreading one person too thin. But somehow we're trusting, again, the brilliant and debonair Maxine Waters to be in charge of tens of thousands of college student loans, if not hundreds of thousands, much less all of the financial system and just all of banking, essentially. These are the people who are writing loans for banking. Well, and and I don't mean to pick on Maxine necessarily because even if the most brilliant person in the world were in charge of this, it wouldn't work. If I'm not making that point simply enough, believe me, if I were in charge, I wouldn't do a whole lot better because of the practical impossibility of any one person or entity having all the knowledge necessary to do that sort of thing. And indeed, they don't even actually meet, or it's impossible to actually meet every single person that you're giving a loan out to. Because of that impossibility, every loan ends up being treated the same. Now, all of us are not the same, but that's how these loans end up being treated. And look no further 
than the subprime mortgage crisis of 2008 to see the results of willy-nilly loans just being given out to anybody regardless of their ability to pay back or the effect on their lives or even explaining just the simple thing of explaining to these people, hey, you know, this isn't just the loan. You're going to have to, you should expect to put in three to 5%, let's say, of the cost of this house into the into this house every year via maintenance, okay? These are the types of things that you're never told by your real estate agent, ever. I'm sorry, they just don't for the most part, unless that person's your best friend or something. And even then, good luck because money is a powerful thing and greed is a powerful thing. And certainly most loan officers aren't going to do it. Again, they're very motivated to get the loan. I mean, that's kind of how sales work. Salespeople are motivated to sell. So expecting them to get into a different mode, especially when laws are essentially bailing them out. Again, the subprime mortgage crisis was essentially the government saying, give loans out to people. And they really didn't have a choice is the reality. Because oftentimes they really didn't have a choice. They were being mandated to give loans to people that quite often couldn't pay them back. And ultimately, as we saw, that whole thing spiraled out of control. Now, the most obvious effect of the government not only taking over officially all of student loans for all intents and purposes in 2010, the government had been increasingly getting involved in the college system since the 1970s. And the most obvious effect that we have seen on that is wildly increasing costs. I mean, just an incredible extent. And the bizarre thing is, is you would think that a school, all it really needs is some buildings, some books, and some people, essentially. Now, don't get me wrong, you can have a computer and a projector here and there, but this idea that we need to constantly be building the Shangri-La gym, for instance, and all these new constructions and different things, it's all madness, and it's all a bubble that has been created, again, by this whole federal process of hey, we're just going to take this over. We're going to take it over from the market. And look what it's sown. See, and again, if you're going to just keep increasing costs on people, this is something I've talked about before in terms of increases in real estate costs and rent, but there's a crowding out effect of people in the middle and lower classes. See, we're sort of a credential-based society when it, when it comes to college, it's like, oh, well, you, if you have a degree from Harvard, then obviously we're going to hire you. Well, I, obviously that's worth a lot of money then. So that, that, that gets me to another thing. If we're going to start crowding out people on the lower and middle ends increasingly from college, then it becomes much more of an elite thing and the credential becomes even more important. It tells you Who's, who's the important people, I guess, in the, again, in the minds of the elites themselves? So that brings me to Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman and the whole college scandal, which I, I, I think I touched on a little bit in the previous episode, but I definitely touched on just this idea of the value of college. And again, we're back to it again, aren't we? Now, I'm up a couple minds on this particular story. On one hand, I totally get why people are turned off by this whole scandal, if you want to call it that. 
elites buying credentials or buying their way into USC, for instance, or Harvard or Yale, specifically in this case, it's the University of Southern California, if we're talking about Lori Laughlin, yeah, that's gross. I find that disgusting in a just sort of, ugh, really, this is how, this is how you're, this is how academia works. As somebody who had a, who has a mother who championed academia for, and worked in it for a lot of her life, that's just disappointing, honestly. And, and, and I get why people are turned off by that whole thing. But then there's another aspect of it that to me is much more disturbing and far more gross to be honest. And that's the judicial aspect of this. You see, Felicity Huffman, essentially, I won't read her statement. You've probably heard it in some form if you're listening to this by now. But Felicity Huffman, for all intents and purposes, threw herself on the mercy of the court and said, and, and, and the, the court of public opinion as well. She essentially said she's going to take the plea bargain, as it were, and also she essentially released a statement that said, oh, I'm so sorry, we we did wrong, we accept all responsibility, and just we, we feel so terrible, and we accept whatever the court says, and yada, yada, yada. Basically the kind of statement that you put out, that your lawyer tells you to put out after you accept a plea bargain, essentially. Hopefully then she'll, I don't know, has she been, has she been sentenced yet? Uh, presumably not, I guess, if you're putting that out. But anyway, if she hasn't been sentenced yet, then obviously that's part of it. Oh, okay, please don't, please be a little bit nicer to me. Well, what's interesting is, is Lori Laughlin not taking the plea bargain. And I noticed on Twitter a lot of people were making fun of her for that. We're going, oh, ho, ho, she's going to get it now. Oh, boy, what this... This white lady, this rich white lady, boy, how stupid is she? She should have taken the deal and all this stuff. And I just thought, uh, is that, is that what our justice system has become? Is our justice system now so crowded, for one thing, that deals is 90% of the system? I thought we, I thought we had the right to a fair trial. So, Lori Laughlin's being mocked for wanting to have a fair trial. Well, that's one part of it. The second part of it is just this idea that the is it justice for the government to say, "Hey, you know what? We'll offer you a better deal if you don't go to trial and accept this plea bargain." So, for instance, Felicity Huffman at worst is maybe looking at 18 months, and then not coincidentally, after she took the deal, Lori didn't comes out Oh, there's there's additional charges that they're throwing on top of Lori Laughlin. And again, this whole thing of, oh, hey, if you don't take our deal, we'll hit you with more charges in, in order to intimidate you. Is that not disgusting? If you actually have if you're actually interested in reigning in the judicial system, and you know, believe me, I if you want the judicial system to serve justice, great. Is that what justice is? And again, 20 years. All right. I find it gross that, again, that's what the college process has become for people in Hollywood or people of the uber elite. I get it. But need I remind people, perhaps I do, maybe you're not as big of a college football fan as I am, but the University of Southern California is a private institution. I mean, they're kind of free to accept whatever they want. And if that's the kind of institution that they want to become, then so be it.
It doesn't mean I have to like it. It doesn't mean that I won't make fun of them and continue to call them the university of spoiled children. But the idea that Lori Laughlin is some sort of menace to society then that should be in the slammer for multiple years, uh, shouldn't the punishment fit the crime? You know, to me, you go overboard with not only just sentencing, but this idea of, oh, we're just going to constantly pile more and more and more charges on top of you in order to scare the crap out of you and get you to plea. It's really, it's really horrible. And if you don't feel sorry for Lori Laughlin in that particular case, well, believe you me, if you're the type of bleeding heart person that feels sorry for the kid who got caught selling some cannabis at 16 or whatever, believe me, they do the same thing to those type of people. All right. They get, they do the same thing to the lower end of the spectrum, the lower end drug dealer or whatever. If they catch him with, I don't know, a couple bags then suddenly, even if it's not, even if he's not a dealer, it's they'll throw in intent to steal or I'm sorry, intent to distribute just at, just in order to throw on more charges and Hey, get a, get a quick, quick deal and move it out of the system because the system is so clogged once again they do want to move it on but then there's another aspect of it it's where the process becomes the punishment you see that's another reason that you're you're supposed to take the deal why almost everybody does take the deal because if your lawyers and if your bank account can't out really it's about your bank account your bank account is going to get drained, especially if you're going up against the Justice Department. For all intents and purposes, again, the Justice Department, they have the money printer. They're the federal government. They can wait out anybody, certainly somebody who's been on full house for nine seasons and then really did nothing since. The interesting thing is, is I'm not even sure that Lori Laughlin's daughters needed to go to college. I think that was sort of a Lori thing. There may be a generation gap there. Again, this idea of a credentialed society. I think that may be old school thinking, and that's something I talked about in my previous episode. It seems to me her 18-year-old daughter, who I wasn't really aware of, but apparently lots of other people are because she's evidently a popular YouTube person and has some sort of deal with Sephora, the cosmetics brand. So... It seems to me she was off on her own, doing her own thing. Perhaps USC would have been a waste of time for this young lady or both of those young ladies. I don't know. So, I don't know. It's sad that on on a couple levels there, obviously. And again, I'm not trying to be naive. Maybe the daughters were all in on it and they were going, Mom, get me into USC. I I don't want to – all my friends are going there. I got to be an elite, elite one too. I get it. That could be very possible. I'm just saying the whole thing is sad. and But to me, the saddest thing of all is that people are cheering on apparently this woman being thrown in jail for, what, a decade or something over something that really isn't that important. Yeah, you could say, all right, maybe somebody didn't wouldn't have gotten into USC because of her. And yeah, it's a really horrible thing to do. But you know what? People do a lot of things that are bad that we don't throw them in jail for. The law does not exist to right every wrong, kids. I can't remember who said that quote, but it just popped into my head just now. 
And it's as good a one to end on as any. Again, the law does not exist to right every wrong. And with that, let's get out of here. It's a good Friday afternoon. I'm going to get some sun on my face. And I suggest you all do the same. See you later, everybody.